Hey everybody, welcome back to the Active Dads Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel, and with me as always is the other host, John. Did I nice. say it right that That's time? That's a lot better than co-host. Awesome. <laughs> that means I'm kind of in charge also, <laughs> but I'm not. Yep. Today we are joined by another athlete from here at the gym, a long-distance runner, former, what, UNC football player? UNC. UNC Chapel football Hill. player. Yes. Yep. He and, uh yeah, let's not go there. <laughs> <laughs> and overall ultra athlete, <laughs> overall ultra athlete. I don't like you Mike Dora. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today, Mike. You're welcome. Thanks we for have, having me. Oh yeah, anytime. We have a ton of questions for you because you do a lot of ultra running now, but you've also been into more strength sports. You've been into more explosive activities than just running, and. I think that'd be a good place to start is, so what got you interested in football in college? Did you play in like middle school, high school? Um, My football career started in and around eighth grade. Um, And um, I had never played football before. Um, And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to try out. I'm going to go out. And uh, one of the best way to meet some people was a new school. I had no idea what to expect. And um, I fell in love. I fell in love with it right away. I enjoyed the physicality of the sport. And um, by physicality, I mean not only the on-sport activity, but the lifting, Um, you know, which was pretty much geared towards powerlifting. And we did some, when I went to high school, we started doing some deadlifts, power cleans, squats, things like that. And uh, so a lot of you know, fast twitch, quick twitch type strength movements. Um, Not a lot of endurance work at the time, but um, I really enjoyed the camaraderie. I enjoyed the the structure. Um, And, um, you know, when I decided to, when I decided when I was looking at colleges and I thought, um, originally, I have to say, Duke was on my radar. I when, that. originally uh because when i was a junior um steve spurrier was the head coach at duke university and they had subsequently won the acc championship in football when i was a junior and i thought you know duke's a good school academically this this guy looks like he's going places well he did go places because he left <laughs> he left he left the very next year went oh, wow. down went down to florida and you know the rest is history with him but so there i was and i'm like man i don't know so i started looking at unc i heard some good things about mac brown uh but i just wasn't really heavily recruited coming out of high school i mean i was one of those athletes that and you know i use that term loosely i appreciate the respect that you give me but I had to work extra hard. You know, I didn't have a lot of God-given talent. So, um, but I, I could outwork most people and uh, had the grades to get into Chapel Hill. I decided to walk on to the football team. Um, now, that was very intimidating. I mean, most of these guys are highly recruited athletes. I mean, one of the, one of the uh, freshmen that came in with my class, I mean, he was like the state champion, heavyweight wrestler. I mean, we're talking about guys that are, you know, all Americans and things like that. And here I am, this little, you know, walk on from Greensboro Page High School. And I thought, man, I don't know if, you know, I'm going to get through this, you know, get through the preseason, let alone. Um, So I just kept my head down and um, just kept working towards the goal, which was, ultimately just to to get through the first preseason make the team and um you know it was it was a great experience of them you know after a couple years i earned a scholarship um solidified my position as a a running back of all things uh, a fullback and um mac brown who is my head coach my entire tenure fabulous guy a player coach um really he he was interested in making you a better man not just a a quality football player but you know he wanted you to get a degree but he wanted he was true he was genuinely interested in 
your life outside of football? You know, what do what do you want to be when you get out of here? Because, you know, unfortunately, you know, the odds are, you know, less than one percent of you are gonna play pro ball. I mean, everybody on scholarship, honestly, everybody on scholarship thinks they're going to the NFL. Yeah. I mean, they just and you can you can look at programming like ESPN now. I mean, they they make high school recruiting. I mean, they have shows on TV. I mean, it's like it's really? like the draft day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they follow mm-hmm. the you know, all American games and they follow, you know, the top ten prospects. They're gonna have microphone time on ESPN. Where where are they gonna go to school? I mean, there's nothing like that back in the eighties <clears throat> when I was. <laughs> We're not prehistoric times. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because we had uh, one of my other athletes on here, Mark, and he was talking about how, you know, in high school he was one of the best. You know, he felt great. He felt highly skilled. Then he went to college, and you realize how deep that pool is. Mm -hmm. You know, he said I literally went from being one of the best, one of the top athletes in my high school to being subpar moving into college. Oh, yeah. People could run laps around him. They had a lot better ball control. He said that it wasn't just physicality; it was also skill. Mm-hmm. That was just years above where he was. You you don't you know you you co it's that what is that phrase? It's like you're the you're the big fish in 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 the uh, in, in the small pool, pond in the yeah. small pond, and then you go off to college and you realize that you're you're a very small fish, <laughs> yeah. and you're in an ocean. I mean, there's it, a and there's a there's an ocean of talent out there, and uh, you know I I look at the kids today coming. I mean they're just even more skilled, but they are starting much earlier on, as far as specific training towards one sport. I mean they they might be you know working with uh, um, well coming in and working in here for example. I see the kids coming in 14, 15 years of age. You know, I tell people all the time, I'm like, if I had a trainer like you, you know, I'd have been an All-American in high school, maybe. You never know. But I didn't I didn't put in that kind of, you know, work off the off the field. It just wasn't heard of. Yeah. And, and and that's one of the reasons why um from about the age of twenty seven, which is when I graduated dental school, until about thirty five. I didn't step foot in the gym. Yeah. I didn't, I hardly ran. I was so burned out with the stereotypical way of lifting, for example, which is the only way I knew, which is the way I grew up. Um, but uh, I started to get that desire again, you know, 35, 36 years old. And um, if for any reason it was because I was like, well, I, I want to stay in some kind of shape. You know, my wife was pregnant with Alex. And, um, you know, I just want to be, I want to work towards being a better dad, for example. Um, And I want to be more active, which is, you know, what what this podcast is all about. (laughs) Be an active dad. And and that's right around the time, I was around 2011, that um, I discovered full speed multisport downtown it was actually july 2011 it was the summer that uh rob goodwin and nancy opened up as a matter of fact i had more communication with nancy than i did rob i hardly ever saw rob i didn't know who this guy was okay but nancy was always in the shop where i was on the phone and i i want to say that my first introduction to the gym was trx class Mm -hmm. i didn't know what trx i didn't know what trx was but i knew it was something different that I thought would would not be the old school traditional all barbell, you know, mm. super max squat deadlift, yeah, big all that. Forward, yeah, that stuff. It was another way of working out that I wasn't familiar with that I was very interested in. I oh thought. yeah, we would flat out leave you crawling at the end, crawling out the door at the end of those classes. Those were those were a lot of mm. fun. But it was, um, and then that kind of transitioned into uh, Rob was also leading uh, a group, uh, a little cycling group. He would lead from the gym at the time. Mm -hmm. So I started doing a little bit of that, and 
then I started running a little bit more. And then I was like, all of a sudden I was starting to, and all of a sudden I was in the pool and I was like, what's this all about? And I was like doing triathlons and, um, but you know, Alex started to get a little bit older. Uh, he started, you know, you know, he, he started playing, you know, he sports at like three, four years of age. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I found that I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with the amount of time that was dedicated to train for triathlons. I mean, mm -hmm. five, you know, six, seven, eight hour bike rides and runs on the yeah. weekend. I mean, I, you just, I couldn't do that. So what got you interested in triathlons? Um, I think that just just the just the overall competitiveness. I started, you know, I met a few triathletes, and I, I just, yeah. you know, I was like, you know, I, I want to try this. I think I can do this. Yeah. And I started off with like a little sprint. Now I was a horrible swimmer. I mean, and I know people always say you you, you can't win a triathlon on the swim, but you can certainly lose it. Yeah, on the swim. And, and I did all I, I mean, I, I do not float. So I, I was, <laughs> gotcha. you know, negative I, buoyancy, negative buoyancy. <laughs> I gotcha. So, um, okay. So, so you started with triathlon training in your late thirties then? Yes. Okay. So what did you do to kind of feel the competitive edge between graduating college and starting in triathlon? Cause I'm sure that competitive nature didn't just go away. Yeah. Was there anything you kind of filled that gap with? Uh, you know, I just, I don't know. I just think I just, I don't, my flame was burning low there for a while. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I just, I think I just got a little taste. You know, I competed in one or two events. I got a little taste of what it was like. And I was like, I think I can do this. And I was like, I, I, I didn't enjoy the swimming the most, Yeah. but I definitely enjoyed the cycling and the running, but I really think it was the camaraderie, the people that I met, the community, the running community, the biking community. Uh, they were very welcoming mm. in the Hickory area. And I think it's the camaraderie that really kept me coming back more than anything. Yeah. Um, the byproduct, you know, of the, of, you know, was, you know, doing the events, but um, it was, it was welcoming. It was nice to be part of a group. You know, because I'm not originally from this area, and it's, it's it was a way to get out and meet people, uh, and yeah, kind uh, of build a community around yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the biggest draws to jujitsu. People come in because they really want to try the martial art out and see what it's about, but they usually stay because they realize we have a great group of people down there. It isn't you're just coming in and paying us to beat you up and hopefully you learn something. <laughs> you're becoming part of the group, you know, we'll have big birthday bashes for people downstairs. And like, we just, we don't try to build a community around it. It just kind of builds itself. You know, anytime you're struggling with somebody, you kind of get that brothers in arms feeling, you know, mm -hmm. to a lesser extent, obviously, but you still like, you get to, help each other grind through a very difficult training session. And you do that week after week, month after month, year after year, you develop a very strong bond through that. Well, and just being, and, and, and just being real, being with the, we being with some people, you have, you have a common denominator. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the wife says you're crazy, you know, you're overtraining and mm -hmm. you know, you're, 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 you're leaving it. You're working out at 5 a.m. and then you're working out on lunchtime and then you're working out after, after, <laughs> after work. After work, yeah. I don't honestly. Yeah. I look back now and I'm like, wow, I was nuts. What was I mm -hmm. doing? Now saying that, I, 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 I could quite possibly, you know, do another triathlon down the road. There you go. My wife rolls her eyes, <laughs> but you know, I, I, I would say that. Right now, I'm 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 happy with just you know running, you know street running, trail running. It doesn't matter. I try to mix it up, uh, mm -hmm. doing some doing some rucking. I mean, I, I don't more. The one thing that I don't miss from my triathlon days is having to follow a schedule, week yeah. in and week out. There's no room for flexibility, spontaneity. I think it's very important that your body doesn't know what you're going to do from one day to the next. Yeah. I think in order to grow, um, 
not only as an athlete, but just just to just to you. I look back on when I whenever I'm having an extremely difficult day. Sometimes I'll look back on an extremely difficult workout that I yeah. got through, and I'm like, I, you know, I'm going to remember this day because I can use it to handle anxiety or stress I might have at work. And, uh, you know, if I can, if my workouts and my training are, you know, just over the top, then work's easy. Yep. You know, there's no, so. Um, no, I can understand that. And that's always been a big stress reliever for me as well. Much like John, I've struggled with anxiety and depression stuff my entire life. And that's always been one kind of place that I can lose myself in. So that's what got me really interested mm-hmm. in martial arts in the beginning and just resistance training, running, everything is just getting out of your head for a little right. bit. I don't matter. The weights matter right now, or I don't matter. It's about the heavy bag yeah. right now, you know? So you kind of get lost and you forget all of the stress of life, all the professional stress, all of that stuff. So it's always been a great, I don't want to say a great therapy, but yeah, I mean, really it has been a good therapy for me. You know, it's an escape for sure. Yeah. I mean, my wife will tell you, we've talked about it. Like if I come home and she knows if I haven't, if I hadn't been to the gym or if I didn't get a run in, she can tell because you got the anxieties and stresses of the day that we all bring home. Like today's going to be a big, big one for me. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) thank you, Rain. John, John's absolutely, absolutely on, on the money. I mean, as active, as active as we are with our families or community, we need something for us. Yes. We need time that we can take care of ourselves and and you know, you know, just work through those stressors and anxieties of the day in the gym mm-hmm. or on the pavement or on the trails. That's I tell my wife all the time, this is my you know, she's like, Why do you why why do you put yourself why do you do through I, I said, Because it's my therapy. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps me keeps me sane. Yeah. And it's also a great end. outlet too. I mean, if you have a bad day and you're already stressed, come in, just smoke yourself out mm. with some heavy walking lunges, heavy back squats, <laughs> just burn out all that excess energy that's built up. Man, it is amazing. And it has definitely saved my home life on more than <laughs> one occasion. Professional <laughs> professional stress, just get a hold of oh, you, yeah. whatever. And you're just able to let loose and get completely exhausted. You're not mad anymore. Yeah, I'm really not. I mean, that's yeah. that's a good thing about as active dads or active husbands or whatever having a pretty good support crew at home. Like you know, mm-hmm. like I said, if if I'm stressed and it's bad, and then my wife can tell that I'm dealing with something. Her one of her first things is go for a run, go mm-hmm. for a bike ride, because she knows that's what levels down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, you need somebody to push you, but. Even then, so whenever I did the men's physique competition in the uh, summer of, what, 19? Yeah, so Ryan had something come up, and he wasn't able to be there. I think yeah. one of his buddies was getting married that day, and I knew that ahead yeah. of time. So Rob, you know, his mom had some issues that day. Yeah. So I was literally left with no coach whatsoever. So my wife and Frankie Bruno, one of my best friends, they stepped up, and they're like, cool, what you need? And, you know, they were doing everything. My wife was fixing my tan if it smeared or if I sweat and started running. Yeah. She would fix that. Frankie was holding bands for me, helping me warm up. You know, I mean, they were both such a big part of my training, and they saw what I did. That, man, both of them went above and beyond that day to make sure everything was good. Oh, yeah. Sarah was timing my water intake, timing my carb intake. You know, Frankie was out front talking to the director. Okay, you got 10 minutes before you got to be back up, you know? Yeah. So, you really need that too. And I know your wife has ran support for you on oh, races. Yeah. You know, somebody falls through or you show up and they just don't have the aid stations that were kind of promised. Yeah. So you have to rely on yourself for your aid. You yeah. need somebody to take care of that. If your coach can't be there, somebody has to. And that was, and that was one way to get my, you know, also to get my son involved. Yeah. You know, just to see if it sparked anything with him. I know, I know your son, like that was last year when the big push up challenge came through your son decided to start doing push-ups yeah i mean i, I being a, a a role model and and you know going back a little bit to what you were saying earlier i go being a role model for your son um hoping that a little bit of what i'm doing is going to rub off on him mm-hmm. you know and um 
it has and he's you know he started you know you know doing some things and on his own he uh he was coming in here in the gym working with ryan Mm -hmm. i mean um but you know on the flip side of all of that you know physicality is the nutrition part too which especially gets more important uh as i'm two years shy of 50 um you know the you just nutrition is so important uh, and and so is recovery um and you just can't you might be able to tuck away a few things here or there but then the next day you just feel like crap yep. i mean your body is just like i can't perform on on what you're giving me i mean i can't i oh, can't do it so that feeling that that impending feeling of what you're going to be dealing with the next day is is almost like motivation to just you know what no i'm, I'm not gonna i'm not mm. gonna you know deal with so, that. yeah i guess talking about nutrition so <clears throat> i guess I, what are you doing now i know because you know we we were all kind of in that full-on keto thing mm-hmm. about the same time pretty much um and i noticed you know that's when you were doing some more long distance endurance stuff same time i was and so we were still kind of tweaking playing with what worked for us and I know, you know, you had to tweak yours a little bit and start adding in some more carbohydrates, which is where I'm at right now, because as, as big as my schedule is, I can't, I can't run on this. Yeah. yeah. And I, I found that you, you just, you, you need to, I was doing, um, you know, I forget what it was, this 20, 27, you know, 2016 or 2017, somewhere in there within the span of three months i think i had we uh was it table rock was that september yeah table rock yeah. 50k yeah. had a 50k two weeks before that i had a blue ridge relay yeah. i was on an ultra team so there were only six of us so we did we there was only six of us. so instead of instead of three um three runs each we each had six runs and that overall mileage is so what, the overall the overall mileage that I had was close to a fifty k, yeah. And then two weeks later, I had Table Rock, and then like three or four weeks later, I had another like a a, a marathon or something like that. Dude. And you know, trying to go through that on a strict keto diet for I mean you you have to you have to live and learn. You have to you have mm-hmm. to time you know time your carbs so mm-hmm. to speak. But for me. I found that my body didn't perform well on goos and gels and, and 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 tablets and things like that. I had to have the closest thing to real, you know, real food. I mean, mm. I remember, you know, like boiling potatoes and salting them and keeping them in bags and just having them just ready to yeah, but I could uh I could perform better with real food. Um and just add, you know, like John was saying, adding carbs in here you know before and after because you just can't once you're training for you're training for what a hundred miler john yeah, yeah yeah you know that kind of training your body is just you need the carbs yeah and they're, they're definitely not like i'm not having any like adverse effects from bringing in more carbohydrates so i don't no. do feel a lot better you're probably well, I mean, it's been working for hundreds of years yeah you know? and i've got way more energy and speed even you know yeah. more punch than mm-hmm. i used to because i try i mean I, you tried some of the fasted stuff too didn't you yeah runs. i mean like i did like i completed stuff but it was like i felt horrible yeah i mean I, I i you get you get through it but then like you know the next week you're like just wasted and, and, yeah. I, and that that that's my thing i don't want to i don't want to come i don't want to p- compete in an event and be stuck on the couch for the next week because yeah. I didn't. And and typically, that's not because you didn't put in the training. It's your nutrition, yeah. I think, more so leading mm-hmm. up to the event. That's uh-huh. why you're... So that was one of the weird things that was going around in a bunch of the keto groups was oh, people like were... Passage. Yeah, they were wearing it like a badge of honor. Like, yeah. oh, yeah, I did this you know 25K completely fasted with nothing yeah. but MCT oil and water. Like you can do that, but should you? Like, yeah. How are you feeling the next day? <laughs> no, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Is it efficient, or are you just doing it to say you did? Like it? I can, you know. I mean, I know, I know my limits. Yeah. I know I can get up 
and I could get right out of bed with a drink some water, maybe some coffee, and go bust out a half marathon or a respectable twenty five k, respectable. But anything past that, and when my I mean usually a fifth. Between 13 and 15 miles, I start to feel that little growl in my stomach, mm-hmm. and then it's all downhill from there oh, yeah. if you don't have something in there. Yeah. So it, it was. It was like a badge of honor. So mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I'll give it a shot. And I did Table Rock fasted, um, and it was awful. More I mean, power to you, brother. I don't dude, tell I you. bonked I... so hard at like mile oh, 22, and I'm like, this is not real bright. So, so I mean, once you're at that point, did you hit an aid station? Because it seems like that would destroy your stomach even worse. Yeah, no, I just getting ev- all the acid yeah. shook up yeah. and then throwing some pretzels mm. and bananas in there. Yeah. Oh, just man. Like a terrible. If, idea. if you're going straight keto, you're like pretzels. Get that out of my face. Yeah, what are you yeah. talking about? Carbs? No hey, way. I, mean, I don't care what anybody says. I know I, that the only thing hey, that got me off of Grandfather Mountain bears. were those gummy bears. Oh, Dude, man. I ate those gummy bears literally within three minutes. I felt fantastic. It only you. lasted about 10 minutes. But Let me tell you, there, is, there is no shame in stopping at an aid station and, mm-hmm. and filling up on whatever you need. And, and that's, you know, that's, I'm not, I haven't done many ultra events outside of Brandon Thrower's events. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I don't, you know, I like how he makes you check in at yeah. eating. Number one, to make sure you're not dead on the trail yeah. somewhere, yeah. but checking in at the aid station. But you know, there is, I have found there is no shame at, at, at taking your time at the aid station and, you know, doing, as, as a matter of fact, I remember one time I, I, um, I did the grandfather marathon, uh, did the bear, you know, two days before and I was like, decided to do grandfather. And I had, that was probably when I towed the line for that race, I was probably the most scared I've ever been for any event ever. Really? Because it was in, it's in July, oh, yeah. it's hot, it's humid, and I had no idea. I, I really didn't know. I didn't know how to pace myself. I didn't know how to prepare. And I was like, I, I didn't want to be, you know, laid, laid down with a vest with a bunch of water. And it, I mean, I, yeah. I, I went out with no, I, I went naked as far as nutrition. I had nothing on me. I said, I'm just going to go. I'm going to stop at every aid station. Mm-hmm. take my time and I'm going to get through this. And I did. And, and I, and I, and that's when I realized I was like, there's just, no one's, no one's paying me to do this. Yeah. I'm not going to, there's not going to be some sponsor sitting there at the finish line. Oh, you finished third. I'm like, no, I'm lucky to finish 33rd in my age group. Okay. <laughs> but, um, there's, there's no shame in, you know, just taking your time and, and enjoying the ride. Mm-hmm. So yeah. to speak. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess it's that's that point that you have to look at it and go. I'm doing this for me, and and the and the the adventure versus. It's just like that dad burn, uh, bear mug. <laughs> I pretty much give it up on that. Yeah, that has been. I have. It seems like every you know for a couple years there, my my time was getting a little better and yep. better, but it just people were getting faster and faster. Yeah. I'm like, I'm never going to. So first place gets a mug? Is that what it is? It's or? a percentage. It's the yeah. top what top 15 or 20% male and top 15 or 20% female. Okay. So like the first year I did it, the guy, like the guy in front of me got one and then I didn't. And I was like, <laughs> I was <laughs> like, you got me. And then the second year I did it, the two guys in front of me got it and I didn't. So it, it, but there's always younger people doing this race, yeah. so that top percentage always just kind of we just mm. get pushed down the ladder. And I'm like, like right now, I could probably win a mug mm. where I'm at training wise. But I always busted my butt for that race, and it just was never good enough. But when you look at the reasons why we go back year after year to do things like that, yeah. like for a couple years there, it was just for me to get a mug. Yeah. I mean, I just wanted a mug. And my wife was like, what are you talking about? You don't understand. Yeah. I gotta, I've got to well, get I mean, that mug. So it's and, about earning it, you know? Yeah. With the grandfather yeah. thing, everybody gets a t-shirt, finishers get socks. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> that's, I want those socks. <laughs> well, it has nothing to do with them. I guarantee you, since July or, was it July or June? Whatever, of 2019, I maybe wore those socks four times. So <laughs> so I don't wear them often, but it's the thing that you earn that, yeah. you know? So, like, the bear is, is that's like the kickoff event for the Highland Games. Yeah. So it's all part of that. 
Hmm. So the winner of that thing gets to go to the opening ceremonies and they get presented with this big, cool plate, this Gaelic plate. And it's, so one of my best friends, Alicia, an old school training partner, and I mean, she's an ex-pro cyclist and hmm. just, she's been a runner her whole life. Her dad ran with her. He's still a uh, quiz little. He's still a wow. killer runner and, he, and he's a vegan runner and still does a great job. Um, and her brother, Greg, but she won that bloody race like two or three years in a row and then moved to New Mexico. Her her husband moved to Mexico, um, had a baby. And then she decided on a whim to come back, um, over the summer to do the race with her dad and her brother. Yeah. And of course me and Sean, Sean was like, it was like Sean's first or maybe second year doing it. And our friend Jack, and we're like, oh, welcome back, Alicia. You know, it's uh, good to see you. I guess you're not worried about winning this thing next year. And I'll be damned if she didn't win that thing again <laughs> on, like, no training hardly yeah. other than, like, CrossFit. Like, because no. she's fell in love with CrossFit. But there Some she goes just and have it. gets that big plate again. So every single year, her and Greg send me pictures of their bear mugs <laughs> right before the bear. And they're like, oh, look, I'm having coffee in my mug. Nice. You know, so, yeah, yeah. it's like. They, that, would, they would be unfriended. By yeah. <laughs> and that's the one that sells out in like 10 minutes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you got to jump on as soon as registration yep. opens to even get a spot in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has it already sold out? No, no, not yet. Oh, when's, it, when's the registration come up? It's like May. Yeah, they, but, they're delayed because I think they they want to make sure they can, number one, I think that they can have it. Yeah. That's so uh, crazy to me that they're canceling outside races because of this. Well, it's like for how many people? Well, I think a large part of a large part of the reason is you know, especially you know a lot of trail races and whatnot are on either national park yeah property or or they're not uh, issuing permits. Yeah, I know. I got you. Um, but it seems like that would be the safe place to go, you know, out yeah. in the wilderness. Oh, you know, I mean, and I understand like the whole shot and the before and after celebration, yeah. everybody lining up. Like you'd have to distance people there. Whole shot's gonna get a little fuzzy, but normally, first two miles, people are spread out. Oh, yeah. There's no large groups after that. I don't even know if know. they'll have the what the Highland Games and yeah, I don't all know what that. Do. I mean, that that's part of all of the. That's the whole. Re- that's the reason we really do that race at this point. Is the whole just? I mean, first of all, it's in a gorgeous place in Limbo. Hmm. It starts out on a bloody uphill, which is terrible. I mean, your heart rate's jacked in the first quarter mile, and it's nothing but hill until mm-hmm. you spit out into the stadium. But the cool thing about that is, and the thing that's always motivated me to do that, is as you're coming, you're winding through the woods, getting ready to pop out, you'll start hearing the clan drums start playing, and you'll hear the bagpipes playing. Oh, that's and pretty awesome. So you actually you cross the road and go into the stadium, and it's just this little narrow path and just thousands of people just cheering yeah. you on trying to hand you don't ever take the bottles of water or cups and stuff i don't think anybody would do that but people learn their lesson in the tour de france not to take bottles you never know what might be in the bottle <laughs> no candy from strangers <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but it's just like all of a sudden you hear that and that's usually where i always blow my wad right there in that part of the race it's like Oh, the drums are playing and the people are screaming yeah. and I just take off yeah. and then you hit the mountain and you go oh no I just blew everything I had back there on the track oh, I thought you finished no. in there Th- that's no. just that's you're probably maybe two thirds of the way yeah. and yeah. you still have the switchbacks all the way to oh, the top of right. now for the marathon when, when, when you finish grandfather marathon you actually I, I want to say you finish I think you finish on that track. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. you actually do. You come into the track and you and you and you do a lap, and it you know people are going. Cra- I mean, crazy. It's it's mm. it's very uplifting. I mean, yeah. uh, but you're wasted. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like I was so wasted. I mean, you, they take your photograph. You know, right before you cross the fit, it was not very attractive. <laughs> like I just ran all the way up. Not Yeah. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually that's the one that me and Sean were talking about because I love I thought about doing that one this year if they actually have it. I'm like, come on, man, you get to run all the way up Shoals Mill Road. Come on, it's 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 pretty. Yeah. At least at least you should um, at least do the half. Yeah, you don't do the full, which I think is in August. Is in in August. Yeah. Um. Well, another time, another place. I guess. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, sounds like fun. I'd still love to do the bear. I've heard terrible, awesome things about it, so I'm kind of curious to check that one out. Yeah, it's a, it's one of those that once you start doing it, you just want to do it every year because mm-hmm. it's just got that just just that little bit of panache that makes it like. Well, was crazy. Word. I don't know, but my son could probably go out there now without any serious running training and probably smoke uh, me. I was about to say I wouldn't say without any serious running training. But uh, let's get into that. So he's been playing soccer for a long time. And soccer, I mean, that's a running sport. Mm-hmm. You're constantly running. You don't get breaks to, like, go off in the huddle or anything like that. We soccer, <laughs> especially. Keep putting yeah. one foot in front of the other the entire game. We soccer so. players are always snobs when it comes to football players. <laughs> <laughs> and we used to, when the football team would come out, we'd kick balls in the air just to watch them bounce off your helmets. <laughs> I was didn't have a lot of friends in high school that were soccer players. <laughs> So, um, so talk a little bit about his accomplishments and the training that he's done. Oh, you know, he's been playing soccer since he, we started out at the Y, you know, here in Hickory. He was three years old and uh, played, and then he played for a couple years. And, you know, well, we stared at ladybugs for a couple years. And then eventually got a little more serious, went played for CVYSA. Uh, and then um, around 2014, uh, this group, this sports management group, ISL, partnered with uh, FC Barcelona uh, Football Club, and um, they uh, were having tryouts in Charlotte. And uh, you know, Alex had always been—I mean, Alex did a lot of you know dribbling practice, you know, a lot of individual practice on skills and things like that, and. Um, you know, we were like, I, I think he was a little reticent at first to do it, but as my wife is normally right, 101% of the time, she said, I really think you should do this. I think you can, you know, and I was nervous as hell. I mean, I was 10 times more nervous than him because this was like a real freaking, can I say freaking on the air? Yeah, real freaking tryout. Yeah. I mean, you know, and there were, there were kids, this was down in like, Matthew's Sportsplex, which is this huge, just kids everywhere. I mean, and I was, I was so nervous for him because I really wanted him, you know, to make the team because, you know, you're never sure. I mean, I think it's important, you know, when I was coming up, kids got cut. You Mm, made the team, you didn't. No participation trophies. No participation Mm. trophies. I think it's good that kids learn that way. But even though I want my son to learn that way, there's a part of me that's like, oh, I don't want to have to deal with the letdown. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, he he got picked. He made the team. He's he's and and now he's um, you know trained and attended camps in Spain and England. Um, in England at Man City, and then in Spain at Real Sociedad, he's actually trained with the team's co- coaches oh, when wow. he was there. Um, he's been since 2017. Um, well, let me go back in 20, in 2016, the name of the soccer club was, is FC Barcelona Academy. So that's who he plays for right now. And, um, since 2017, he's played in three major international tournaments. Uh, and, uh, but that is not the most unbelievable thing that he plays in Charlotte. He doesn't play, you know, in Hickory. So, and, you know, he has to get there. So, you know, my wife drives him, you know, three, four days a week. So, and my wife is such a, is, is phenomenal with math, as is Alex. But she's figured that basically this is averaged out, you know, 700 miles a week, 43 weeks a year. He spends on the road going back and forth to Charlotte. Um, He loves doing it. He's extremely focused. I mean, he's in the car. You know, you got to find time to do your work, right? He's doing Mm -hmm. it in the car. And, uh, but he, um, you know, my wife loves taking him and he loves doing it. And it's forced him to, you know, it's made him prioritize and, you know, structure his time, you know, get his stuff done and, I was about to say he's got better time management skills than I do. Much I mean, better. <laughs> Much better. I tell him all the time. I mean, I'm like, you know, you are, you know, I'm 
my whole, you know, since he's been born his whole life, I'm trying to be his inspiration. I'm like, you're my inspiration. Mm-hmm. I mean, I watch what you do. There's no way I could have done that. Well, I, I was yeah. severely lacking in the prioritization department. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, all the while, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's a freshman and he goes to University of Christian now. And uh, all the while, you know, he's maintains an A average. He's, he, he took the, he scored in 99 percentile in mathematics on the ACT, you know, and won a state award for it. He took the PSAT, 8-9. He got a perfect score in the math section. And I'm just like, are you my kid? <laughs> what say, happened to you? Here's the big question. So where did he get his math talent from? The misses. Oh yeah. <laughs> he, they are both. They are literally. I kid you not. They are. My wife is a human calculator. I mean, she, if you, if you, if you say, you know, what's six thousand twenty six times seven 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 six, she can spit it out quicker than Texas Instruments. I mean, I, I, I don't know, um, but so. Thank God, because I was horrible in math. Yeah, me too. I get that same thing. In fact, they reminded me of that yesterday when I said happy 13th anniversary to my wife on our 18th anniversary. <laughs> yeah, I remember, I got the first message was from my kid saying, you suck at math still, Dad. <laughs> and he's he's kind of, he reminds me a lot of, of Alex, um, not so much in the sports world, but he's very, very, very academia. Uh, and, you know, that's, well, prioritization, time management, as far as, I mean, and right now with the things that are going on, man, these kids are just like loaded with stuff because um, it's so much easier just mm-hmm. to pile it on with this oh, online mm-hmm. stuff. Instead of doing the full Zoom classroom yeah, lecture and all yeah. that stuff, they just well, give them a ton of homework, keep them busy. We were like, we were like logged on to this stuff last night because, you know, it, eight o'clock he's working on three different projects at one time and mm-hmm. i'm just sitting there thinking oh my god i couldn't do this when and I that's was in school and, and john said it exactly right and that's one of the things that is is as is, is just unbelievable that i admire in him right now is how he's been able to stay focused throughout this virtual learning yeah. process i mean you know he's got his i don't know how many countless hours he's got his butt parked in the chair in front of the computer screen I mean, I, I couldn't. Weekends, I couldn't do, yeah. Like in like weekends when we were kids, weekends were weekends. By God, we didn't school school snool. We were out running around the woods, you know, trying to drown ourselves. But like he was doing work on Saturday, and he was doing work all all evening yesterday. And you're like, man, they need a break, you know? Because um, it was so much different for us. I mean, school was literally Monday through Friday. Yeah. My mother wanted me yeah. out of the house. Yeah. I yeah, mean, absolutely. it was like, you going to school. Foot of snow on the ground. <laughs> this, what? You can't go to school today? Yeah. <laughs> Can I just drop them off? <laughs> I just drop them off. <laughs> uh, but that, that, you know, just, you know, with all of his athletic accomplishments, and, you know, I, I come from an American football background, so I had to do a lot of learning about soccer i'm still learning completely Mm. i was completely ignorant as far as the rules you know premier league what's that i mean you know uh, um and um so i've been learning right along with him and as much as i want to play the dad and be you know oh my son he can do this athletically or he can do this athletically i'm most proud of his academic achievements i mean i i to me that's always what gives me the makes me the most proud yeah i would say i mean i I, not completely understand that well i mean so it goes right along with you as well you know while you were playing football in college you were going to college to become a dentist now that's one thing we haven't actually touched on yet and i meant to bring it up during the nutritional part of this because you, you actually wanted me to talk about what I do for a living oh of course, I'm sorry yeah. okay everything man <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but it always you know one thing feeds into another anytime you're talking about health a big aspect of it that gets crossed over is dental hygiene gum mm. health you know gum health leads or gum disease leads to heart disease you have a lot of different issues that start in your mouth so is there like you know what's the top point you would like to give every listener on that you know 
I would I would be you know if everybody if everybody brushed twice a day and flossed once a day, we just have a overall healthier general population. I mean, it, it's amazing how much bacteria is in the oral cavity, mm-hmm. and as you mentioned, periodon, periodontal disease, gum mm-hmm. disease, or as our grandmother might have said, pyorrhea. Pyorrhea. Back in the end, okay. <laughs> Um, it, it's, it's, it, it runs rampant and it's all based on bacteria and it creates a chronic inflammatory situation and it's been linked to heart disease and stroke and, um, also on the female side, specifically low birth weight with infants. Uh, and there are, have been more recently fewer studies that have been linking diabetics with greater difficulty in controlling their blood sugar if they do have periodontal disease so it's kind of it's, it's kind of like a cyclical process because diabetics for example and immunocompromised people aids hiv they're going to be more prone to periodontal disease mm-hmm. they're going to be more prone to you know a chronic inflammatory process delayed healing for example yeah. so um you know it kind of kind of hits them from from both sides but um yeah you know, you know um we talked about before like whenever i was doing keto i tried looking into everything about it you know the i hate to put these two terms together anymore but the health and fitness industry you know they look at nutrition they look at exercise occasionally if you get into like the holistic part of it they start talking about gut health and gut flora. Mm-hmm. But you really don't hear anybody talk about the beginning stages of digestion, which is in your mouth. You know, yeah. whenever you take a lozenge, that soaks in right through your mouth, through your glands and everything. So it seems like if you're looking to maintain health, you would want all parts of the system up to the same par, but you don't right. get a lot of that. You know, you don't hear people talking. I mean, obviously, you know, brush twice a day, floss once a day. It's amazing that it's that simple when there's that many mechanics and physiological processes that are going on. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you, you put something, you know, everything, anything that you eat or drink has a certain pH. Mm-hmm. You know, I try to explain to people, it's like maybe like if you were a kid and you were measuring the pH of a pool, you know, things are going to be more acidic, things are going to be more basic. The mm-hmm. role of saliva is to help keep as neutral an environment in your mouth as possible. Mm. Uh, but as Americans, we we're more prone towards, you know, acidic diets. Mm. You know, if you look at the soda industry, oh my goodness, the energy drink industry, you know, Gatorade, uh, whatnot, um, monsters, you, rock stars, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. We're just, you know, you know, teenagers especially go through periods where they're experimenting with all different kinds of, you know, supplementation and things like that. Well, those those um, those things are are highly acidic, for example, and acid can create, you know, that lowers that pH. It affects the saliva, and uh, the saliva can't, you know, do its job as well, and the acid starts affecting the enamel of the mm-hmm. teeth. You know, you start to you start to develop you start to develop cavities. So even though there's been this big push, you know, towards diet or low sugar or whatnot, uh, I, I find that that that's great. So you know, mm-hmm. the kids aren't ingesting as much sugar, but they're getting they're getting a lot of acid. There there hasn't been a lot of um, there needs to be more. Uh, they need to stress the fact that they're ingesting more alkaline foods. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, things have to be additives have to be put in a lot of these drinks, for example, to make them palatable, to make them, you know, make you want to drink them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it doesn't have any sugar. Well, maybe it has ten other ingredients that Artificial are in it that are that are make yeah. it so you'll you'll drink it. Uh, so yeah, yeah, the, the mechanical, the mechanical instrument, because that's what it comes down to. In essence, there are all kinds of brushing a, you know, brushing aids and, and, you know, just what's the word I want to use? You know, I could say contraptions, 
instruments instruments <laughs> you know instruments of dental hygiene that are available online or you know 1-800 you see them on you see them on television yeah. but but i like to stress to my patients that the mechanical instrumentation of brushing and 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 is what effectively cleans the teeth i said um that's most you know that's really important to get that that acidic film Mm. off of your teeth so which diets have you found kind of promote you know better teeth health and which diets are more detrimental to well, teeth and mouth i mean health? you know you brought it Anything? up yourself the keto you know yeah. ketogenic diet i mean you know that that diet is built on the premise of of lower carbohydrate intake specifically little to no you know processed sugar mm. you know refined sugars uh, which can do the most immediate damage to your teeth on a regular basis, um, which in turn is you know less acid erosion mm-hmm. of the teeth. The bacteria, you know, the bacteria require sugars to feed them, carbohydrates. So you know, bacteria, yeah, carbohydrates are food. What's the byproduct of bacteria's nutrition? Nutritional process is acid. So you've got bacteria that produce acid. Mm -hmm. You're ingesting acid because you have a highly acidic diet, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, sports drinks, energy drinks, things of that nature. I apologize. I don't mean to be bashing the energy drink industry, but, you know, that's that's what I see. So it's not only that. It's coffee too, right? So it's, coffee's it's very things acidic like, on It's there things as well. like coffee. Hush your mouth. I'm, I'm <laughs> drinking coffee right now. One, <laughs> of, the, one, of, one of the things that low I learned. Acid, low acid. One of the things that I learned when I was training for triathlons, doing a lot of swimming, mm. was the erosive effect of chlorine in oh, the yeah. pool. Not just triathletes, but swimmers. When you think about, you know, for example, uh, you know, these kids that, you know, at the Y, they're in the pool. How many hours a day, every day of the week? You know, that the chlorine can have an erosive effect on the teeth. So I will stress to patients, for example, you want to you want to you want to brush and get that layer of fluoride on your teeth, for Mm. example, before you go and swim a god awful number of laps. Like, you know, I used to, you know, have to do and things like that. Well, not only that, but anytime you're doing any physical exertion, the only way or the majority of the way calories leave the body is through the breath so whenever you're breathing really hard you feel that real Mm -hmm. hot breath coming out Mm -hmm. that's burn off calories that's literally exhaust and that can also be detrimental i know it creates terrible breath you know like if you're speaking for an hour at a time or you're working out or doing jujitsu running whatever you get that really bad taste in your mouth that's acidic as well is right right and you know people that are on strict keto diets not everybody because Mm -hmm. A certain percentage do become very well keto adapted, but halitosis, bad breath, you yeah. know, that fruity acetony yeah. uh, odor that comes mm-hmm. uh, from almost like the diabetic breath, really. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, but it, it's it's ketoacidosis and it's the it's metabolism of fat because that's your primary uh, source of energy. Uh, but uh, so you want to increase water intake, for mm-hmm. example. Uh, chew sugarless gum, but not to excess, and even want to you know experiment with some um, you know different herbs and whatnot. Maybe make some like more cinnamon, more mint, clove, things like that mm-hmm. will also help to uh, because that that's you know that's not coming from the gut so much as that's coming from the lungs. Yeah. Um, but. Um, so, I mean, there are things you can do. And then also, one thing I did want to touch on, for example, because I do have patients ask me this on occasion, is is oil pulling. You know, using, you know, swishing coconut oil in their mouth. There's there's there's, there's no scientific evidence. I was about to say, what is the benefit well, of that? Well, there's no, there, but there was, there was a, uh, I don't, I don't know if I want to use the term. There was, there was a, there was a large set there was a large number of people doing it at one time but whatever there's no scientific evidence that basically says that you know it helps to decrease plaque and bacteria in the mouth but you know 
for a lot of people, you know, if you look at the common sense approach of it, because of the because of the viscosity of it, I mean, if mm. you're, you're swishing it around, you know, whatever's in your whatever's on your teeth is is probably going to adhere to it, and then you're going to expel it out. You're going to swish it out or, or or rinse it out. But mm. I think that's where I think that's the the premise that people were using for that. I don't I don't yeah. see it as much with patients anymore, but I'm. I'm sure there are some people out there still. I tried it. Using I it. did it a couple of times. It was god awful though. I was just like, oh. I was about to say, it seems like that would get packed up in the gaps between your teeth and everything. Yeah, I mean, you had to. It well, seems you know, like you'd, you'd have to like brush hard to get a ton of oil <laughs> off your teeth and gums afterwards. Yeah. I don't know how. I don't. I don't yeah. yeah, I don't. There was one of our uh, big athletic, uh, uh, well, nutritional slash gurus that was really hopping up. Uh, or pulling a couple of years back, but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of one of those like it was kind of like keto, like yeah. all, all of a sudden, and then it just kind of went away with whatever new fad mm. was out there. But yeah, I tried it. Oof. I didn't really, I didn't really get any. <laughs> yeah. As far as I know, benefits other than like gagging, gagging. And <laughs> I like, have personally not tried it myself. I would hope not. I <laughs> being the consummate professional <laughs> that you are. Well yeah, but I let me try this thing. I you, you it know makes I'm, no sense to me whatsoever. I'm still, I'll give it a shot. I'm still real old school. You know, give me the yeah. give, let me the you know give me the brush, you know, give me the string. Mm. And, and you're saying use fluoride. Yeah. Um is there an issue with fluoride? You mean as far as the toothpaste or just are you talking about like yeah, swallowing toothpaste. Oh. fluoride toothpaste. Yeah, I mean, you probably have heard it. <laughs> there, you know, there are people who, I guess there's a, there's an anti-fluoride segment of the population, there so to is. speak. Yeah. I mean, now I I will say that, um, in in my opinion, fluoride fluoride does have its place. You know, some people's, you know, your teeth, and the way that your gums and teeth respond to, you know, nutritional intake, you know, or what things that affect your teeth over time. It's a combination of, of genetics. There's, in my opinion, there's a genetic and an environmental insult that, mm. that, that you undergo. And, you know, for example, you could say, you know, people that have maybe high cholesterol you know they do all the right things they eat oatmeal every day they exercise every day you know except when but when they get to 55 they have high cholesterol their mother and father had high cholesterol mm-hmm. i mean i mean it, to a certain degree you're going to your body's going to experience whatever your mother or father or both went through because it's genetic there's yeah. a genetic there's a genetic component but there's also an environmental component which you can more so control Mm. for example um but um i do feel i do feel that fluoride has a place because of the positive nature in which i see how it affects the teeth yeah for the patients that i have i mean but i also respect the opinion of those who may not be huge fans mm. of fluoride and, and and hopefully they have a comparable alkaline diet mm-hmm. or, uh, that will you know not negatively influence you know, their teeth or their rate of cavities yeah. for example so i mean you you, you just you, you have to you have to hit both sides of the coin i think that you know if you're going to go if you're going to ingest um because teeth are affected, I guess, you know, teeth are affected topically. Mm. So if you're going to ingest a ton of sugar and a, and a ton of acidic uh, nutrition uh, that's going to topically negatively affect your teeth, well, you're, you're going to have to balance out the scales with something positive. Mm. You know, you, uh, and, and, but, you know, if, if you're going to, if you're going to be, you know, one way on one side, you, you, you've got to hit it the opposite of it yeah. on the other. Go look at the overall health. You do. Not just one aspect of it. I got you. Yeah, makes sense. All right, man. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, I want to have you back on sometime to talk more about mm-hmm. the triathlon training because I think that's something we can all kind of jump in on, especially him and his psycho cyclocross 
stuff. Maybe you want to. <laughs> maybe you want to interview. You know, have my wife on. Let her talk to you about how irritable I was back in those days. Yeah, trial. You're gonna train, have that man. part That's, too, man. Uh, just, that was. Those were rough yeah. days. I've got one athlete training for one now. He's done. Uh, I think two triathlons and four or five half Ironmans. Yeah. And he's training for another full. So he's. He's been here many times, but like both of you were talking about, he's obviously older now than he was when he did them before. So letting the miles stack up on him, it's been kind of fun. So we're doing a lot of prehab, a lot of rehab, mm-hmm. taking care of some old injuries, making sure new ones don't pop up. Yeah. So I'd love to have you back on and talk about your training then and kind of what pushed you into like getting the pool work done, getting on the bike when you don't want to, all of that stuff. All right? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. We'll be talking to you soon. Thank you very much for having me on. (laughs) All right, guys. As always, hit the subscribe button. That way you get the newest episodes whenever they pop up. And leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Or, excuse me, we'll talk to you next week. (laughs) Yeah, we won't see you. Yep. All right. Bye. Peace.